How was Christmas? Good. Jolly. Oh, wow. I want a deeper definition on your jolly before we accept that as a definition. If it's tied to a jolly man, we'll have a word after this. No. Uh, so, good to see everybody tonight and uh, hope that everybody had a blessed time celebrating Jesus' birth. Um, as, as I was sharing with some folks, we had Jesus' birthday cake as our fam, and it was truly just a, a blessing to get to relish who our king is, relish his birth, and to truly rejoice in that. And uh, also just want to remind us to keep in prayer our beloved sister Ella. Um, we know Barry went home to Jesus, and we rejoice in that, but please, please just continue to keep them in prayer amidst that. So let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you for this time that we can be together, Lord. And Heavenly Father, we do lift up our beloved sister Ella, Lord, and the family in the midst of this time, Lord. And we just pray that you minister to her, pour into her, Lord, as only you can, Father God. And Lord, we pray for the family and those that don't know you, Lord, that they would come to know you in the midst of all of this, Lord. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time that we were just able to have these last few days pondering the birth of our Savior, of our King. And Lord, we just pray that seeds that have been planted would bear the fruit of salvation, Lord God. And we pray for any prodigal family members or friends, Lord, that this season may draw them back to you, to live for you, to worship you, and to commune with you. Thank you, Lord, for this time now that we can be in your word together. May it be blessed and may you be glorified, Lord, and help us to cast aside all distractions and focus on you alone. In Jesus' precious name, amen. amen. Thanks for whoever figured out the speakers weren't on. I was like, I can't tell if the sound's on or not. Uh, so last week, we had the joy and pleasure of finishing Psalm 22. It was a little three-part Psalm 22 dive, but we got to finish that. And through that psalm, we saw the suffering. We saw the journey of our Savior to the cross, and we saw the victory and, and the promise of the rain to come. And it was a fitting time as we think about Christmas time and we think about our Savior born to die. And as we pondered all of that last week, if we recall when we got started, I mentioned next week at this time, Christmas will have come and gone. Guess what? It's that time. Christmas came and gone. It, boom. It's over. But the question I have for you is, did you share Jesus this last Christmas? Only you know. But did you truly share with what you did as a family, was Jesus truly at the center? Conversations that were started with friends or family members about Jesus, are you going to keep them going? Are you going to do the work to continue putting forth the good news in front of those who don't know? Now last week with Psalm 22, we saw the intimacy that we have with God and that he never forsakes us. We saw Christ as the ultimate equalizer and unifier with the Jew and the Gentile and one, him. We saw the millennial reign that is to come. We saw last week how we all will bow the knee before King Jesus. And it enabled us time to ponder, how do you bow the knee to the Lord today? And we also looked and were reminded to move to praise to move to see how we live our lives as that worship song, as we bow unto the obedience of our mighty King. So your charge check-in, saints. One, how is your life of praise? That was one of the first questions of last week. How's your life of praise? How is it going? And are you struggling? If you're that person, I said it last week, that's struggling with, I don't want to really sing out loud. It's private knock it off. Let's sing unto the Lord. Let's praise our King. That's what we're called to do. And if you think, oh, I'm not the best with pitch or tone, it's in tune to him. That's all that matters. And if somebody turns to you and says, you're really out of tune, I'm in tune to my King. And keep worshiping. Keep singing unto him. Two, do you seek him daily? How are you doing with that? Are you truly seeking King Jesus daily? 
And if we think about that cycle that we saw in the text, we see who he is and that reverent awe moves us to praise, moves us to glorify him, and it moves us to that reverent awe again to not want to disobey him. And in that, are you seeking him? We talked about a triple S. Do you seek him? Do you share who he is? Do you serve him? And the last part of the charge, when someone mentions Christmas or Jesus' birth, how did you do saying, can I tell you why he was born? And point them to the cross. Did anybody show anybody Psalm 22 to walk them through the cross? It's not too late to do it, by the way. Think of who is at your table. Think of who you gathered with. Think of who you liked their thing on Instagram or Facebook. Send them a little DM. Psalm 22, bam, do you know why he was born? It's not too late. Do the work. And what's that work, saints? Evangelizing. Sharing the gospel. In prayer, we were just, uh, one of the brothers was praying about us being that light in the darkness. To be the light, we have to share. We have to say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Like that song sings, my Jesus. Now tonight, we're going to delve into Psalm 23. Who knows Psalm 23? Raise your hand. All the hands pop up. There we go. Yes, good. So we don't even need to study it. No, I'm kidding. Now, the message tonight, I've titled it, To Shepherd. Your Shepherd? To Shepherd. Your Shepherd? And in this, we're going to explore who and what a shepherd is. We're also going to ponder, who is my shepherd? Now, I'm pretty sure knowing the folks here, most of you or almost all of you would say, Jesus is my shepherd. We're going to go a little deeper on that. Truly, who is your shepherd? Now, in Psalm 23, the title says, A Psalm of David. And we've seen that in other Psalms. There's no specific event, there's no specific moment that it gets pointed to. Now, some scholars will argue and say, you got to love also when these Bible scholars debate on things. It really amuses me in, in the research. But some will argue it's when he was younger and he's in the pastures and he's doing it. Some will say it's when he's older. I'll tell you where I land with it personally for me when I look at where it lands in the word of God right after Psalm 22 where there's no beautiful green pastures. There's no of the wonderful things we see, but there's the agony prophesied of the cross. And then when I look at the maturity of what we learn about our shepherd through these six verses that we're going to look at, I personally believe it's got to be when he was an adult, when he's king later on in life. I would even say maybe when Absalom, when that all is going down in 2 Samuel, when we read about that in 13 to 19, somewhere in there I could even see this happening where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he's able to look back and remember who Christ is, who God is. And we would know that his youthful, youthful journey as a shepherd definitely is going to impact his ability to see the imagery that we get of God as shepherd. Now, Psalm 23 is a beloved psalm, and we often see that text within funerals, and not knocking its use there. But I do think if we just in our brain hear Psalm 23, think funeral, woo, we're missing a lot. And we're missing the gift that this psalm gives us of who our king is day after day after day after day unto eternity in our lives. So I think we have to be mindful that we don't just log it in the brain. Psalm 23, funeral. No, no, no. Psalm 23, life. If we think about the trilogy that I mentioned with Psalm 22, 23, and 24, 22, we saw the shepherd get killed. Now we're going to see the care of the shepherd. The care of the shepherd. And then we see the shepherd returning in 24 to reward his people. Now in this, it's a psalm of the shepherd's care. It's a song of trust. It's a song that's pastoral. It's a song of absolute and peaceful confidence in God. And notice that word, absolute. It's a song about God's grace. The grace of our king. It is a royal psalm. Now, when we talk about royal psalms, when I did the intro way back in July of the book of Psalms, we would say, you'll, hear, you'll see king in the royal psalms and that. You're not going to see it, but we can so see within these six verses, prophetically, our king Jesus pointed to in this text. 
which makes it royal. In six short verses, we will see the shepherd as Lord, and we will see the king as a shepherd. And there's application in that in and of itself. Think about King David. He was called to shepherd the people of Israel. There's application to pastors. Called to shepherd the Lord's people, to be an under-shepherd for his glory. There's application to leaders. Those called to lead for the Lord strive to be like the chief shepherd. In these six verses, the first line hits the whole thing. Because in it, we learn David has no fear. David has no concern because God is his shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Because of that, there's no fear. There's no concern because guess what? He has a constant companion. Who's his constant companion? Jehovah Jireh. And when we think of Genesis twenty-two fourteen, remember there, and Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. As it is written to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. The Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. That's who the shepherd is. That's who we're looking at. Now, surprise, surprise, tonight we're only going to get through the first verse. And it's going to be okay, saints. But we're going to do the first verse. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, as we do this first verse, one thing I want you thinking about. If I gave everybody here a piece of paper... And said, write down imagery that points to your relationship with Jesus. Would your imagery be a shepherd? Or what would it be? I'm not going to have you do it. This isn't youth group. I'd make them do it. But what what would it be? What would the imagery be? What would be what you draw for who Jesus is? Is he truly shepherd? And then we want to ask ourselves, what or who currently Shepherds you. The Lord does, Pastor Vince. Really think about that. What or who is truly shepherding you in this moment? Truly think about that. Think about the role of a shepherd. We're going to do a dive on that tonight. And we're also going to see the depth and security that comes from the Lord as shepherd that enables there to be a lack of want. And what that truly is, Contentedness. Contentedness is what we will see. Psalm 23 tonight is going to afford us this one verse to really live Hebrews 4.12, seeing the word be that double-edged sword as we look inward and we look up to him. As we look at the shepherd imagery. And remember, shepherd imagery, Abel, the first martyr of scripture, was a shepherd. The patriarchs were shepherds, many of them. This would be known culturally the imagery of shepherd as deity, particularly in that region in the Near East, it would be known shepherd as deity. And it's interesting that the Lord is my shepherd, the first verse that we're going to look at, because culturally, shepherd, lowest of all. Culturally, shepherd, if you're a family and you've got sheep, And you need somebody to be the shepherd, it's going to be the youngest one. Sorry, you're out of luck. You're last. You get to do this. David. That's what he did. It's not a career of glitz and glam and fame, if you will. So the first verse we read, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord Jehovah. We see the Lord, the personal covenant name. We see is. The is there is the participle verb meaning is shepherding me. And we see the Lord is my shepherd. It's real and it's personal. I shall not want because I am content with him. So that's what we see in that first verse. And before we dig deeper into it, I want us to look at shepherd within scripture. So we're going to start in Genesis and we're going to walk through the Bible. Wednesday nights are the nights where we just walk through the Bible. That's what we do on Wednesday nights. It's a good time. All right. So turn to Genesis 48. And we're going to see the first reference in Scripture to God as shepherd. And if you read in verse 15 here where we are, and this is Jacob's blessing on Joseph, and this blessing on Joseph is to his sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, through the blessing to Joseph. And it points to God's faithfulness here. He says in verse 15 of Genesis 48, 
And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has fed me all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, let my name be named upon them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. In it, he points here to God's faithfulness. It's not about anything he does. And we have an important phrase in that 15, the God who has fed me all, literally the God who has shepherded me, the God who has shepherded me. So we see that first mention. Then we turn to chapter 49, just turn over the next page. And we see now verse 24, and this is Jacob's words on Joseph himself. He's speaking on Joseph and he gives five titles in the midst of this of who God is in the life. And if we look at verse 24, But his bow remained in strength, and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. He's mighty God. For there is the shepherd, he's the shepherd, the stone of Israel, the stone of Israel, by the God of your father, the God of your father, who will help you, and by the Almighty, that's the fifth one, Almighty, who will bless you with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lies beneath, blessing of the breasts and of the womb. So two references very close to one another where God is being seen as shepherd. And if we see in both of those contexts, it has to do with God providing, protecting, caring. And we continue onward now. Turn to Psalm 28. And when we read in Psalm 28 verse 9, and this is a psalm that rejoices in the Lord. We'll be there in a few weeks. Save your people and bless your inheritance, verse 9 of Psalm 28. Shepherd them also and bear them up forever. And in this, what we see here is God's people. Guess what the psalmist here, David, is saying? They need guidance. Ra is the word that is used there. Shepherd them also. What does it mean? Feed them and govern them. Feed them and govern them. So again, the Lord is my shepherd. Think about those words as we look and continue to walk through what we see of shepherd in Scripture. Turn to Psalm 80 now, verse 1. And we read. Now this psalm, different author, and we'll get there in a few months at this rate. Uh, We see Asaph, and we see here a plea for deliverance And that plea from deliverance most point to the plea for the northern kingdom's deliverance from the Assyrian armies around 721 BC. And we read in this plea, verse 1, Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph, we just saw those references, like a flock, you who dwell between the cherubim, shine forth. The shepherd of Israel. And it's an important thing to now start to remember that as we walk through these other passages we're going to see. Remember, the God of Israel is the shepherd of Israel. And we're going to see it shift to Mashiach, the Messiah to come, King Jesus. And that also helps us to see that reminder for the Jews first and then the Gentiles. Even as we look through who the shepherd is and what we see of shepherd, because of all going on in Israel, I want to remind us of replacement theology, not a real thing. We see in how shepherds pointed to in Scripture the clear difference of God of Israel. And yes, he is our Lord and Jesus is our Savior, but for the Jew first and then the Gentile. Now turn to Psalm 95, verse 7. This psalm, if you want to see, go to Hebrews. You'll see it quoted within the book of Hebrews. And as we see here, this is praise unto Yahweh, praise unto God. And in verse 7, we see, For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. And that praise in this psalm, and that verse is being said, praise him, because guess what? He is our God. We praise him because he's our God. We praise him because we're the sheep of his hand. Being the sheep of his hand means that we are special to him. We have special care from him. He has special conduct towards us. He has special rule and sovereignty over us. Then we go on to Psalm 100 now. Verse 3. We read, Know that the Lord, he is God. 
It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. This is a psalm of thanksgiving. And why do we thank him? He's God. He created us. He's our shepherd. And we are his chosen people. The Jew first. Then through Christ we are added in. We are grafted in. Then we go on now and we get more specific, really leading to Messiah to come. Isaiah. We were just in Isaiah this weekend. It was Isaiah 9 for Christmas. We saw a little bit of history of the book of Isaiah. When we read now Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. And before that, behold, the Lord God shall come with a strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. This, verse 11, what we see is God as a loving shepherd. What does that loving shepherd do? He feeds his flock. What does he do? He gathers his people. What does he do? He carries them in his bosom. He gently leads. He gently guides. This truly points to what we'll get to in a little bit. John 10, the good shepherd. Hebrews 13, the great shepherd. And 1 Peter 5, the chief shepherd. Jesus. The prophecy starts to tell. And it's interesting. This is why I'm having us walk from Genesis. Because we see how it goes from God. And it shifts now. The shepherd is being prophesied. The Messiah to come. The chief shepherd to come. Turn to Isaiah 49. Look at 49. Verses 9 and 10 now. Here we see the prophecy in this chapter of the Messiah's mission. Isaiah 49 now is giving, this is the mission of the Messiah. That you, verse 9, may say to the prisoners, go forth to those who are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed along the roads and their pastures shall be on all desolate heights. They shall neither hunger nor thirst, neither heat nor sun shall strike them. For he who has mercy on them will lead them. Even by the springs of water, he will guide them. The Messiah's mission as shepherd here, set people free from bondage. Lead them to eternal refuge. The sheep being fed, the pastures that they will be along. Then we keep going to his prophecy within this book. One that we looked at as a reference on Sunday. One that many of you may even have memorized. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. The chief shepherd bears all of our sins because we are sheep who've gone astray. Guess what we are? Stupid, headstrong, and go our own way. I'm not insulting. That's just what sheep are. That's what we do. That's what we do. Then we go on now. Jeremiah chapter 31 And in this now, we're looking at the glory of the new covenant to come. And as we look at verse 10 of Jeremiah 31. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it to the isles afar off, and say, He who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. This is an important one, particularly in the time that we're in. God is not finished with Israel until Israel is gathered again in the land at the last days. Now we see the shepherd mentioned, God the shepherd. Then we see the shepherd of our Messiah prophesied. And then at the same time, we're seeing the prophecy of the shepherd still to come. And it's being done in the Old Testament. Revelation brings it all to life. But just seeing the full picture of the Lord is my shepherd. We turn to Ezekiel 34. Because now we're going to see the role of the shepherd within biblical prophecy. And Isaiah 34 Verses 11 to 15, we're going to read of how God will deal with the unfaithful shepherds and how he seeks those neglected sheep that have fallen because of the bad shepherds. God will get his work done. We read, For thus says the Lord God, Indeed, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. 
As a shepherd seeks out his flock on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they were scattered on a cloudy and dark day. And I will bring them out from the peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, in the valleys and in all the inhabited places of the country. I shall feed them in good pasture, and their fold shall be on the high mountains of Israel. There they shall lie down in a good fold and feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will make them lie down, says the Lord God. And we go on in this same portion, verse 23. I will establish one shepherd over them and he shall feed them, my servant David. He shall feed them and be their shepherd and I, the Lord, will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. David now prince because Messiah, King Jesus, will have come. David is prince under. And the prophecy keeps going of what will come with King Messiah, King Shepherd, Micah, chapter 5. And there... We now see, we've got the picture of who he's going to be, what he means in the prophetic timeline for the people of Israel, the gathering of them back to the land. And then we see in Micah 5 the foretelling of the ruler coming of Bethlehem. And we read in verse 4 there. And he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they shall abide. They abide because of the greatness of the shepherd. For now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Just connecting it to where we were in Isaiah. Then we keep going. Those who were here for the Israel talk, if we turn now to Zechariah, we see mention again of the shepherd. Zechariah 13, verse 7. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, against the man who is my companion, says the Lord of hosts. Strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Then I will turn my hand against the little ones. And this ties to Isaiah 53.10 where it pleases the Lord to do what? Bruise him. It pleases him. The disciples will scatter. The people of Israel will be scattered. And then see what happens in verse 8 and 9. We looked at this when we had the event. And it shall come to pass in all that land, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die. One-third shall be left in it. I will bring the one-third through the fire, will refine them as silver is refined, and test them as gold is tested. They will call on my name, and I will answer them. I will say, this is my people, and each one will say, the Lord is my God. So we see the prophetical meaning of our shepherd, and we see in the tribulation what happens with these people. Two-thirds Destroyed in the great tribulation, one third remaining. When we see that, and when we look at what we just saw prophetically of the shepherd, King Jesus, can we pray for the people of Israel to realize he's Messiah? Let's not have them have to wait for the great tribulation. Be praying for salvation, saints. Now we keep walking on this timeline. We hit Matthew 2 now. And we see here in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. I'll start in five, actually. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now we see the link of New and Old Testament. What's being quoted there? Micah. And we saw the prophecy of king to come, the king shepherd there. We go to Mark 14. And in here, we're going to see a quote of Zechariah, who we also looked at, telling of the shepherd to come. When we look at Mark 14, verse 27, and Jesus said to them, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. And when we did this in youth, we talked about Peter, boy, oh boy, Peter's, I'm not going to deny you, I got you, man. No, you're going to, man, you're there. So we see all of these prophecies. We see the telling, the role of our shepherd, the sheep being scattered. And then we land on John 10. And as we land in John 10, Jesus himself speaks now about all of this. And we're going to do a dive on this because we're in the Gospel of John, but I want to highlight a few of the verses and let the Word of God speak for itself. Verses 1 to 7 of chapter 10. Here, the good shepherd speaking of the false shepherds that have come over the people of Israel. 
He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep, the way, the truth, and the life. And then we go on, verse 11. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives life for the sheep. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's what we see, the God of Israel as shepherd. But now we have Mashiach, Yeshua, Jesus saying, I am the good shepherd. Verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they will hear my voice and there will be one flock and one shepherd. One flock. And we're grafted into that flock and one shepherd, King Jesus. And at the end, verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them what? Eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. If you're sitting here and think you can lose your salvation, read that again. I give them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Eternal security from the shepherd. Eternal security. Because he is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And the last reference we'll look at as we follow the line of shepherd is 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray, tied to Isaiah 53, 6, which prophesies of our king coming, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. When we walk through all of those things of shepherd, we have to realize David here in his psalm knows God as his shepherd. He doesn't say, the Lord is a shepherd, I shall not want. He could have. He doesn't say, the Lord is the shepherd. Facts, that's true. But he doesn't. The Lord is my shepherd. It's a declaration, it's a decision, all tied into one. And we follow the lineage of shepherd. So the question then behooves, who is your shepherd? Who is your shepherd? Because the shepherd leads. Who does the shepherd lead? The sheep. How are the sheep? Stupid, foolish, hopeless, helpless, aimless, wander around without a shepherd. They need a shepherd. But the question is, who is your shepherd? Because we went through all those verses and you could say, yeah, that is my shepherd, Jesus. Jesus. And he's the overseer of my soul. Okay, well, let me ask you this. Are you lost in your money and career? Because that then becomes a shepherd. You let your money, you let your career, you let what you're trying to become follow you and lead you. Perhaps there's fears that you have. Perhaps there's insecurities. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. You now have made your insecurity your shepherd. That's leading you. Doubt. Sex. Lust. These all are things that we can put before The Lord being our shepherd. College, it's a great thing, not knocking it. But if you're so focused, my kids got to go to college, they got to get this degree, they got to get that job, they got to do this. So then what you're saying in your household is, the degree is your shepherd, you shall not want. Sex is your shepherd, you shall not want. Alcohol is your shepherd, you shall not want. Pot is your shepherd, you shall not want. It's these things that we put before and let them lead and run our lives 
And culture gives us things to put that run our lives when there's one who runs our life, the chief shepherd. As we saw in 1 Peter, the overseer of our souls. So then we have to see, is God being shepherd enough or not? Because there's, we're all sheep. We've gone astray. But are you a sheep who, yeah, the Lord, no, no, the Lord's enough. Now, I really want that car. I want that house. I want this. I want that. Because the grass is greener on the other side. I'm going to read a little passage from a book that a pastor who had mentored me um, gave. A shepherd looks at Psalm 23. Great book. Take a gander of it. He gave it to me when I was early on and he said there's a calling on your life and I was avoiding it really hardcore at that time but he said if you ever become a pastor your job is to read this at least once a year at least once a year and I'm going to read a little portion from this about that sheep that's looking in spite of having such a master and owner the fact remains that some Christians are still not content with his control they are somewhat dissatisfied always feeling that somehow the grass beyond the fence might be a little greener These are carnal Christians. One might also call them fence crawlers or half Christians who want the best of both worlds. I once owned a you whose conduct exactly typified this sort of person. She was one of the most attractive sheep that ever belonged to me. Her body was beautifully proportioned. She had a strong constitution and an excellent coat of wool. Her head was clean, alert, well set with bright eyes. She bore sturdy lambs that matured rapidly. But in spite of all these attractive attributes, she had one pronounced fault. She was restless, discontent, a fence crawler. So much so that I came to call her Mrs. Gadabout. This one you produced more problems for me than almost all the rest of the flock combined. No matter what field or pasture the sheep were in, she would search all along the fences or shoreline we lived by the sea, looking for a loophole she could crawl through to start to feed on the other side. It was not that she lacked pasturage. My fields were my joy and delight. No sheep in the district had better grazing. With Mrs. Gadabout, it was an ingrained habit. She was simply never contented with things as they were. Often, when she had forced her way through some such spot in the fence or found a way around the end of the wire at low tide on the beaches, she would end up feeding on bare, brown, burned-up pasturage of a most inferior sort. But she never learned her lesson and continued to fence crawl time after time. Now, it would have been bad enough if she was the only one who did this. It was sufficient problem to find her and bring her back. But... The further point was that she taught her lambs the same tricks. They simply followed her example and soon were as skilled at escaping as their mother. Even worse, however, was the example she set for the other sheep. In short time, she began to lead others through the same holes and over the same dangerous paths by the sea. After putting up with her perverseness for a summer, I finally came to the conclusion that to save the rest of the flock from becoming unsettled, she would have to go. I could not allow one obstinate, discontented you to ruin the whole ranch operation. It was a difficult decision to make, for I loved her in the same way I loved the rest. Her strength and beauty and alertness were a delight to my eye. But one morning I took the killing knife in hand and butchered her. Her career of fence crawling was short, cut short. It was the only solution to the dilemma. So was a sheep who, in spite of all that I had done to give her the best, the very best care, still wanted something else. She was not like the one who said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. It is a solemn warning to the carnal Christian backslider, the half Christian, the one who wants the best of both worlds. Sometimes, in short order, they can be cut down. So as we look at that, We think of the second part of our verse for this evening. I shall not want. God is my shepherd. That means all my needs are met. Yes, that's what he's saying. But deeper, I shall not want means I'm content with God as my shepherd and how he has things in my life. Now the question to you tonight, are you content with Christ as your shepherd? Is the circumstance the way he has it enough? And notice what he says again, David. The Lord is my 
shepherd. We dig deeper to the personal relationship. Now, in our culture, we often are saying, is he he your savior? Is Jesus your savior? Yes, he's my savior. He's my savior. Great, good, you're saved. I don't need to worry about that anymore. I wish we would say, is Jesus your savior? Yes, he's my savior. What's your intimacy with him like right now? I wish we had that second question. Because that's what we're getting to when we say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. What's your intimacy? What's your relationship like with King Jesus right now? As we close 2023 and we're getting ready to delve into 2024, it's a great time to take stock of your intimacy with your king. It's easy to say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We could have gone through all six verses tonight and boom, 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 Lord is my shepherd, it's such a good verse, yeah, we feel good, we're puffed up, okay. No, we've got to dig deep. Because in the culture we're in, in the times that we're in, in everything that's going on in this world, What is your intimacy with Jesus right now? What's your desire for deeper intimacy with Jesus? Are you just happy knowing what you know and doing what you do? Wednesdays I come to church, Thursdays I pray, we got a home group on Friday, then we got the weekend that comes, and then we go to church on Saturday, and it's good. Okay, great, happy for you. We'll work on colors tomorrow. What's your intimacy with Jesus? How deep are you in your relationship with King Jesus? Are you able to sit at his feet for hours? Can you do that? I know many of us can binge Netflix. Could you turn off Netflix and binge Jesus? Could you spend hours in intimacy with King Jesus? We're going to next, in two weeks, because we have a prayer and praise night. Woohoo, be here, bring friends. Next week. But before we go through Psalm 23 and see how he cares for us, first take stock of your relationship with him. Before you make it about what you get from Jesus, how is your intimacy with him? Are you giving him your heart? Are you giving him your undivided attention? We read in Philippians 4, verses 19 to 20. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Guess what? We have the promise all over scripture. The Lord supplies all of our needs. Notice it's not wants. Notice it's not genie. It's your need. And guess who decides what you need? God. But we have four kids. We need a bigger house. Do you? If this is what God's allowing, can you rest in that being sufficient and joyfully pursue deeper intimacy with him? Or does your shepherd become the one of the bigger house because you feel like you need that? And the intimacy with Jesus goes down because you're now adding more work, making more money so we can get that bigger house. Now you get that bigger house. Now we need a bigger house because one of the kids got married and they're going to have grandkids coming. So we need a bigger house. Work more hours. We need more money. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Where's the perspective? Where's the importance? And also we have to be mindful of those that are in the flock but wander away at times. Sheep wander. We can have the shepherd and know he's my king but then we wander. I love a poem by Ruth Bell Graham. Prayer for the wayward. For all who knew the shelter of the fold, its warmth and safety and the shepherd's care and bolted Choosing instead to fare out into the cold, the night, revolted by guardianship, by light, lured by the unknown, eager to be out and on their own, freed to water where they may feed where they can, live as they will. Till they are cured, let them be cold, ill. Let them know terror, feed them with thistle, weed and thorn, who choose the company of wolves." Let them taste the companionship wolves give to helpless strays. But oh, let them live, wiser though torn. And wherever, however far away they roam, follow and watch and keep your stupid, wayward, stubborn sheep and someday bring them home. I remember that in a season of backsliding, somebody from Calvary Chapel Hudson Valley lovingly sent me that. It's just like, read this and think about it. And it stuck with me, and I was like, I 
should probably try to get back home. And we have to remember, going back home is remembering we have a shepherd. Who is the shepherd? The Lord God, Jehovah Jireh. And he is my shepherd. I shall not want. Pray for the prodigals. Pray for those that are astray. But also, check yourself. Are you walking truly the way he calls? And are you following the shepherd? And I mean truly, are you following the shepherd? Or are you the person who's got this and then you got the smartphone on and you're looking at the smartphone and yeah, I'll put this down here. Oh, look at what that person did. Look at what that person did. I'm going to be a social media influencer. I hate social media. I really do. I really, really do. I think it's destroying our culture because we make it all about me, 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 me. Look how cool I look. Let me get this picture. Make it so great. And then we forget Jesus. And folks here who have kids, I say this with love, step up your game. Men, lead your homes. I have a three-year-old, and there's areas where I'm already preparing. He's going to know. Sunday morning, anything you want to do on a Sunday morning ain't going to happen. It's church. Anything you want to do on a Wednesday night, we have church. Pick other days. But it, pick other days. We've got to lead. That's a big charge on my heart for our church in 2024, the family unit and the men of the church. Because if that's strong, the women are strong, everyone's thriving, the family unit thrives, God is glorified, and it's a body in one voice saying, the Lord is our shepherd, we shall not want. And that's my prayer for Calvary Chapel, Chapel Hill. But it takes each and every single one of us taking stock of ourselves and truly seeing, what have I let become shepherd other than King Jesus? Because again, all of us tonight could read that verse and say, amen, he is my shepherd. Get in your heart. I had to go there. It's convicting. I want to be clear. It's not fun. I'm, I, my own self, in preparation, have areas as your pastor where I'm like, wow, thanks, Lord. That's exciting. But I got to do that for him. So our charge for this week, one, what shepherds are in the place of our redeeming good shepherd, resurrected and returning chief shepherd? What shepherds have you put in his place? Search your heart prayerfully. Kick him out. Say, go bye-bye in the car and put him as the chief shepherd. Two, how is your intimacy with the chief shepherd? And what changes or shifts do you have to make? Had my own conviction this morning as my lovely bride is doing her Bible reading time and then Baldrick's getting antsy and he, we did our family time and I was like, okay, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I'm in the study doing my prep and then I hear her starting to get ready to move and it's like, okay, well, she's going to make breakfast. And the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 you need to go do this right now. This is your first ministry. It's like, okay, okay. Honey, I'm going to make breakfast. You keep your study time. Take more time. Really? Yes. Go take more time. Get watered. Be with the Lord. Be intimate with him. And then to hear what she was blessed with from the Savior. But if I weren't obedient in that moment, and if I didn't make a shift as the leader of the home to make sure she's having intimacy with this shepherd, because I had mine in the morning and I get to be in it all day prepping for sermon... She needs her time. What changes do you need to make men to ensure your bride is watered in the word? Make sure you have your intimacy with time. Conviction, for me, it means I got to set the clock earlier, 4.30, 4.45. I got to start getting up so that I have my intimacy and then I make sure my bride has hers. And we share it like I just did. So then we pray for one another that we can follow through on that. What changes need to be made? Last, is your heart fully content that you are his? Is your heart fully content that you are his? Do you have want or do you trust where he has you, how he has you, what it is? And just having him as shepherd, that's enough. Saints, before 2024, the clock strikes midnight. I pray that we can all say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want from a heart that's truly anchored in that truly anchored in that and then that we can run that race in his care and as we go through the rest of the psalm boy is that care magnificent and glorious but to have that 
Get the intimacy with him right. Get the things out of the way. I'm not knocking TV. And I want you to think I'm a, you know, old curmudgeon. Don't have TV. Don't have social media. Get rid of those phones. All would be great. But get close with Jesus. Have the intimacy with our King. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you that you are the chief shepherd. Thank you that at salvation you shepherd our souls, you oversee our souls, our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, every part of our being, Lord. Heavenly Father, I pray you help each and every single one of us allow you to search our hearts, to reveal the things we've put in the way of you being shepherd, that we can truly say, Lord, that you are our shepherd and we shall not want. Lord, help us to not get lost in the things that this world says mean success. Because success is an empty bag, Lord, by the world's standards. True success, Lord, help it to be for us being like our Savior, being like our King. Lord, I just pray that you help every person of this sweet church grow deeper in you, Lord. And I think of the love that this body already has, Lord. <laughs> oh, what would happen were we all even more focused on the intimacy we have with our King? Help us to do that, Lord. Help us as men, Lord, that are here to make sure we set that time for our brides, for our children, that we lead them in that, Lord. Father God, help us as a church to build the practice in our homes of intimacy with Jesus. That the only time we talk to you isn't before a meal, but it's throughout the day, and that we're in your word, that we are doers, Lord, and that we live for you. Thank you for this night, Lord. Thank you for this time. Help us to glorify you more. Help us to run the race for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a beautiful night.